is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests has handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please have a seat. Something's just a little bit wobbly here. I'm just straightening it out. Okay, there you go. Well, a very warm welcome to all of you. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm delighted that you're worshipping with us, either in person or hi, Zoomies. It's always good to have people on Zoom as well. It's fun to have the mixture. So kids, I don't know if uh, you have learned any prayers or poems or songs that you like to sing that remind you about who Jesus is. I wonder if there are specific favorites that you've got. One of the things we're going to be talking a little bit about today is what people look like. And I wonder if you might want to draw a picture of what you think Jesus looks like. Or maybe write a poem about some of the things that you know about him. Or even maybe make up a dance that is kind of how you see Jesus. A few weeks ago uh, in church, we read the Beatitudes. And the line, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, caught the attention of many of you and landed up having a number of conversations in the weeks that followed about meekness. And so today, when I was reading the, well, to be honest, I tweaked the lectionary today, but the first half of the lectionary for today, the word meek came up again in that psalm. It said, the Lord lifts up the meek and brings the ungodly down to the ground. So I thought, oh, well, maybe this is my chance to think more about meekness. But then I also looked in the NRSV, that same verse from the psalm. And it said, the Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Downtrodden and meek sound really different to me. And so I've been on a little journey to see if I can work out a bit more about what the word meek means. So first of all, everyone, kids and adults, can you pull up a picture in your brain of a meek person? Are they male, female, young, old? How do they stand when they're just standing somewhere? What do they wear? What do they look like? How do they respond when you talk to them? 
Do you like them? So have that image in the back of your mind. And maybe, kids, you might want to draw that person as well. But I wonder if you could all also use your extensive Bible knowledge or not and try and think of who in the Bible has been explicitly described as being meek. I'll give you a clue. Well, in my searching, I found one in the Old Testament and two in the New Testament. Okay, so that's not very many for a start. But I wonder who they were or are. Keep thinking about that. And then let's look at a dictionary definition. What does a dictionary say meek work means? Well, as I looked through a number of dictionaries, thank you, Lord, for the internet this week, I came up with descriptions like this, quiet, gentle, kind, and humble. Okay, that sounds, that sounds great. But then I also came up with way more on the other side. Deficient in spirit and courage, submissive, dispirited, not willing to argue or express your opinions in a forceful way, easily imposed on, spineless, spiritless, easily imposed, all very weak-sounding words. So I wonder who those three people are in the Bible who conform to one or two of either of those pictures. Well, in fact, the Old Testament person who's described as meek Anyone want to hazard a guess? Moses, yes. Yeah. So Moses, Moses in Numbers is described as very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Okay, let's just pull up that, that image of Moses for a moment. So Moses is described as being very meek. How did that fit with the picture and image that you had of a meek person a few minutes ago? How does it fit with those words that I described from the dictionary on the meek? Remember, as a young man, Moses got so mad one day he went and killed a slave owner with his bare hands. Okay, slave owners don't strike me as being particularly kind of little and tiny and easy to kill. So Moses must have had some oomph and strength behind him. And he got so angry he killed someone with his bare hands. Okay, hmm, my meek definition is altering slightly as we speak. But perhaps Moses grew meek. And I think that is part of his behavior as he... His character developed as he aged. He certainly did change. But he was a powerful leader. Picture him standing as he struck the Red Sea and it parted. And then all those um, Egyptian soldiers got swept into the water. I mean, Moses was kind of a big shot. He was kind of a large character. He did a lot of stuff. He led his people in the desert. He is not spineless. He is not a milksop. So who else was described as meek? Well, the phrase which came to my mind was um, from an old hymn by Charles Wesley, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. I had to look up, look up the next two lines because I couldn't remember them, but they are, pity my simplicity, suffer me to come to thee. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Very definite picture of Jesus. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And actually Jesus self describes as being meek. In Matthew 11, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And in the NRSV, it says gentle and humble. So Jesus describes himself as being meek. Jesus liked being meek. He thought it was a good thing to be meek. So perhaps as you think about Jesus being meek, 
I wonder where in your life, in his life, you most see that being demonstrated. Well, actually, that was one of the reasons why I picked the gospel reading today. I did tweak the lectionary and I picked that version of him, the story of him being on trial. Because I think that encapsulates everything I imagine about meek Jesus. There's a story in Acts where Philip encounters a eunuch who's reading the scripture and it says that he was reading this quote, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. It's a quote from Isaiah, but it's describing, Peter says, Jesus at his trial, like a lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus, as he went into those final hours before his death, went as a man who was meek. Picture him that day as he went before the, on to trial. He'd had a probably a fairly sleepless night the night before. He'd had a long day. He'd been roughed up by the soldiers. He'd been weeping in the garden. He was probably emotionally totally exhausted, drained, anguished in body, mind, and spirit. He's been deserted and betrayed. He's been questioned, accused, and he stands before Pilate. You can picture the crowds round about shouting, accusing, cursing him, denouncing him, but he stands steady. He's not cowed, he's not frightened, but he's also not aggressive. He's not defensive. He doesn't physically fight back. He doesn't shout. He's not defensive or rude. He doesn't even question the legality of the trial, which he might have done. He doesn't call for his lawyer or shout about the things that they're saying about him. He simply answers the questions. He's clear, he's lucid. There is a steely strength in his poised responses. And there's a depth of peace in his refusal to be riled. If you ask me what meek looks like, it is Jesus as he stands accused. And then the third person who I found out who, who, who sort of also self-describes as meek might also surprise you, it was Paul. And Paul does also doesn't maybe initially come across as a meek man. But as Nancy read earlier, he appealed to the Corinthians by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. It's the way that Paul wanted to be. He wanted to speak out in meekness. But then note what he said in that reading from Corinthians. He said, we, do, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. In the same breath as describing himself as coming with Christ's meekness, he talks about warfare, he talks about the weapons he is using, and he talks about not only using or not using human weapons, but using spiritual weapons, which are so much more powerful and so much further ranging. At his trial, Jesus was engaging in actually the biggest battle that this heaven and earth will or have ever seen. He was engaging in a battle which was far beyond what Herod and Pilate and those soldiers standing around could see. He was engaging in a battle with ramifications throughout heaven and earth and throughout all eternity. Mind-blowing, huge, and largely unseen. I don't know 
who you pictured at the beginning when you pictured somebody who was meek. And maybe you did picture Moses, Jesus, and Paul all standing in a line. But I suspect that they're not the three immediately who come to mind as you think about milk people. These three people are not spineless milksops. This kind of meekness speaks of a very strong spine indeed, a spine of steel which will not be defeated by evil intent. One of the images which um, when I was chatting with Jenny this week came up about meekness is this idea, it's an old, um, I think it's actually a Greek word, which talks of a horse and rider who are in perfect synchronization. And if you've ever watched dressage or anything where you see a rider with a beautifully controlled horse, just almost like one going through complicated movements and motions. That's the word that the Greek refers to with meek. So think of a horse and rider, the horse completely and almost invisibly under the control of their rider. It's probably like Gabby when she's riding a uh, picture as well. And this is how Jesus was as he throughout his life, but also at that moment of trial when he's completely obedient to his father's will. 100% following the path that had been laid out for him. Jesus went into this cosmic battle in full meekness. So as we think about these three people, it might occur to us, well, how do I grow in meekness? Well, there are some very in specific instructions in scripture. And the first one comes in Colossians, where Paul says, clothe yourself with meekness. Clothing yourself with meekness is very deliberate. When you get up in the morning, quite often, I mean, you might just throw on whatever was lying on the floor next to your bed. I must confess, I quite often do that. But, but if you're doing something important, you'll probably think very deliberately about the way that you're going to step into the day, the things that you're going to do. And likewise, Paul says, clothe yourself with meekness. Make decisions about the way that you're going to be that day, the conversations you're going to have, and decide in advance that you are going to move forward with meekness. In James, James urges us to welcome with meekness the implanted word. We need to be teachable. We need to be people who are meek to receive instruction. And Jesus was constantly relying on hearing from his father as he moved from day to day. Jesus and his father were at one. Jesus was completely teachable and we are urged to be teachable people. And thirdly, Timothy says, be patient in meekness, instructing those who oppose you, oppose them. So being meek also means that we are ready to engage, we're ready to teach, we're ready to go into conversation with people. We are ready to gently correct and instruct. We are not afraid of engagement. So being make, meek is a choice we make. It's a decision to be controlled by our Father. And it's a decision about the manner in which we will engage with the world. I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, and I've referred to this before, it feels like there is a lot of negativity around about the way that people should engage and the way that the church should engage. And when I watch politicians and cultural leaders, all too often I see people who posture, who shout, 
who feel like the loudest voice needs to win. And sadly, that is also sometimes reflected in the church. There is a lot of arrogance. People behaving without civility or restraint. Leaders maligning others and self-promoting. And I question whether that is really the way for us to move forward in the church into our culture. How can we push back against this message which says that masculine aggression is where the way to success? And of course, we want to be a prophetic voice into this culture. We do want as a church to talk into the matters around us, whether it's justice or politics or race or abortion or the de death penalty or divorce. Or, there are lots and lots of things in the world where there, is way, uh, there are ways that we can speak. And Jesus might not have explicitly touched on the hot topics of our day, but remember, he spoke about equality, which speaks into questions of race and gender. He spoke of justice, which speaks into poverty and food insecurity and housing injustice. Jesus spoke out blessings and curses, and he spoke to the pain in people's lives. But it's worth remembering that he always did so, out of relationship, out of a position of coming from love. It can be tempting to think that we simply have to shout because otherwise we will just be drowned by the noise around us, that all will descend into chaos. But God promises that if we do follow his way, that he will act and ultimately that also we will benefit. In the psalm it says, O Lord, you will hear the desire of the meek, you will strengthen their heart. Again, in the Psalms and Matthews, it says the meek shall inherit the land. In Isaiah, it talks that, says that God will decide with equity for the meek. In Isaiah 29, it says the meek shall obtain fresh joy. There are many, many promises in scripture which says that being meek is something that God loves, appreciates, and will reward. And so, yes, it's very important that we speak up for justice, that we speak up for the marginalized, that we legislate for life issues, that we engage with our colleagues and neighbors. But we must be so wary. The end does not justify the means. So I encourage you to think this week about being meek and remembering that being meek means that we persevere in truth, that we seek for ways to deepen our love for those we are engaging with. And when we approach conflict, we do so with a meekness that comes from standing on truth, but using a metric of love to determine our actions. Being meek invites us to ratchet down our emotional response when we are being pulled into a discussion or argument, to deliberately soften the way that we are responding, to not shout or clamor to be heard, but to articulate truth with clarity and dignity and calm, not being frightened into self-promotion. To remember that image of being like a horse and a rider, listening so carefully to every nudge and direction of the Holy Spirit, a willingness to hold back from retaliation whilst being firm and determined. To remember that being meek is not being a milksop, it's not not having a spine, it's oh so much to do with having a spine of steel. 
but remembering that God is going to be our judge and redeemer. So this week, I encourage you to not be the loudest voice in the room. I encourage you to look for ways of helping others to articulate their opinion, to help them to say what it is that's on their mind and hearts with greater clarity, and then to engage in discussion and conversation, to explore uh, ideas with the willingness to be in dialogue with others. And perhaps this week you will need to take a stand on a matter of ethics or principle, or where you'll be asked to lead on a task or confront something or someone in your work situation or in your family. How will you approach the situation? Will you approach it with aggression or with meekness? Esau Macaulay wrote a lovely article this week in Christianity Today. He was actually talking about our response to um, uh, critical race theory, but it's much more widely applicable. I love this sentence. He said, there are no threats to the gospel, properly speaking, because Christ is risen and he reigns. We must regain that humble confidence, not in the strength and subtlety of our arguments, but in the power of God who displays his power through weakness. So I encourage you now to, in the quiet in a few moments, to think about what's coming up in your life in the week ahead. Maybe jot down a word or two to help you remember to think about ways that you could respond with meekness. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have, a place where you need to bring clarity. And I will pray for each of us that we will each respond to the ways that the situations that we're led into this week with meekness. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, will you come and show us in our deepest places where we are relying on our ability and access to exercise power through our words or actions in ways that are unhealthy? Can you show us how to speak with meekness, with kindness, gentleness, and self-control? Will you teach us how to guard our speech and our bodies and to be open to where you will lead and guide us. This week, will you show us how to be meek? Amen.